Welcome to Group Sanzalas podcast. I'm Mr. Pedro, and tonight I have my good friend, uh, Mr. Simon Fantasma. He is one of. Um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a capoeira master. He's been teaching since the, the, the 90s. And uh, yeah, it's great to have you here. Simon, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for taking the time and, and, and sorry for the 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 missed on on the time you know i got confused a little bit but it's all good it's happening now okay well yeah i i maybe it was me yeah and i thought it was 10 and it was 10 30 so thanks for inviting me it's very nice to be uh included in this online podcast things no for sure you know like uh i i one of the ideas that i you know, that took me to, to, to start this podcast was that I really feel that there are stories that needs to be to told, you know, and that not necessarily needs to be, you know, I've done interviews with mestres and I've done interview with, you know, white cores and it's just nice to see the perspective and the effect that it has and, you know, the people that is somehow connected to Capoeira. So I, I, I like this, this idea of trying to be very, very diverse and, and uh, you know, trying just to bring different insights. And, and for sure, you are someone who has, you know, dedicated your life to Capoeira. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's great to have you here. I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a person as well that I, I really think that there are some key moments in life that makes a, a massive change. And, and um, so I'm very curious, like, what was the day that you, for example, you came across Capoeira? How was that? Uh, yeah, the first day. Well, I came across Capoeira before I saw it physically. So because I was studying uh, karate and other martial arts, so I was unemployed in Newcastle. Is that where you were originally from? It, no, I moved to Newcastle. Okay. Uh, so that's another story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was there doing martial arts, unemployed in the 80s, working quite hard on uh, training. And I really got into the karate thing. And so I was reading all the magazines. And the first thing I saw was a picture of someone with their hands on the floor doing like the mule kick. Okay. And the other person's been kicked and they're flying like a cartoon. Yeah. And that had actually quite a strong impression on me for a long time because I was looking at Wing Chun, boxing, karate, kung fu and all this. But then I saw this capoeira thing and I was like, wow, what, you know, that's amazing, just from that picture. So when I met Lloyd at the martial arts event, and he said, next year, I'm trying to bring your father, Gato, over. 
And so I said, right, well, I'm coming next year. And then I went to uh, the workshop and that was in 90... Probably 91, no? Yeah. Yeah, I think 91. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's funny that you mentioned Newcastle because Newcastle was the city that, you know, my father went to do a master's in 89, 90. So we were probably then at the same city at the same time, you know, like, yeah. uh, because yeah. it came in, in October... We were September of of eighty nine, and I I arrived December of eighty nine. Uh, okay, that's I'd already left. Oh, you already had left. Newcastle. Yeah, I'd left in eighty eight. Oh, okay. so I was there from eighty two to eighty eight, and then right. I left. So when I went back to do the martial arts seminar, I was like, oh god, this Capoeira guy lives in Newcastle, and now I've moved. But I started training with the Harlow gang. Yeah, it was, it was a, a very a, a full of characters. I remember as a, as a kid, you know, and just yeah, those yeah. Guys, my father. No, I met those guys in the, in the I think it was in the, in, the, in the carnival, right? It was in the, in the carnival hotel, right? Not with me. Wow. That, that was the Harlow gang. Yeah. I met... I met you. It, it was a turning point yeah. when I when I saw you play capoeira because I'd been doing karate and I think maybe I've I've gone to Newcastle just to do one lesson after the seminar and I was with Lloyd and Eamon in their cars and I saw you in a class where you weren't doing the class, you were just sitting on the side and your dad said, Pedro, come and play. And, and you, were, you went from like a position, just sitting like, to jumped up and started to play. And I remember thinking, how can you do that? You know, Because obviously the, the no, not obviously, the, your body was used to doing that. Yeah. You know, you could play capoeira. You've been yeah. doing it for some time. And for me, I thought if I thought I'd kick like that, I'd, I'd injure myself. Mm. So I need to, I was coming from karate, which is quite a rigid thing. Yeah. Um, really, compared with capoeira. And so it was, it was quite an impression on me, but I don't think it was the carnival. No, no, I think, I think the carnival was, I, I might be mistaken. I actually have to, to check that with, with Lloyd and my, my, my father. But he says that when he met them first, wasn't a harder somewhere in London. I, I might be mistaken. That yeah, that that's correct. It, it it was. I think they went to a harder, and your dad was there. Yeah. And, and then, and then they, they start. He started coming down and stuff. And, and um, but uh, but uh, it's also like it's, it's quite a big difference, isn't it? Because you you come across capoeira, you know, in the in the late uh, early nineties, and you experience capoeira there, but is that change of like when you go to Brazil, was it a big, big gap? Was like you blow your mind off? Because, you know, you know I mean, it depends how, I don't have a, a, a good idea of how it was then, you know, mm. like in the beginning, but it was, it was a small group. You know, my father was never a, a, a master that, you know, played bilimbao. So to, to maybe you already see some full hoarders and stuff, but to be in, a, in, in Brazil, 
How was that impact? Uh, to be in Brazil, it was it was really powerful to just 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 the taxi journey or the I think someone picked me up from the airport and just looking across the the a tropical place. So yeah. being in the, a, a hot place, yeah, and and I could see the poverty on the from the airport. So I first went in 1993. And then, of course, even before I'd arrived in the place I was staying, we drove past a class who was uh, Jean de Paulo. And he had, there, there was about 150 mountain bikes piled up and he had a big gang of students. And we drove past that, going to the place I was staying. And so for me, it was just like, well, so Cap Capoeira is here, everywhere. It's felt like that, even though I, I later discovered it wasn't like that. And, and I went down from where I was staying. I walked back to where I'd seen the Capoeira and I watched John de Paula's class. That was my first impression. And uh, that was really interesting to see what was happening there. Yeah, and that was what? When, when was that that you were? In 93. 93. And he, okay. had a, he had a gang of about, there must have been 40 or 50 people. Yeah, it was a big, was a big group there. And when you came to Brazil, did you, where did you, where did you stay? You stayed at uh, my place or you stayed somewhere else? I stayed one weekend at your place, the first weekend. And I had a place in Jardim do Botanical with a oh, girlfriend. Okay. It was, a, oh, it was a, okay. a Brazilian girl I'd met in South End. Oh. So I was trying That's to get good. the full experience. Yeah, for sure. And and uh, so when was this transition of like you 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 start training capoeira, you become you know you start taking, I assume like a bigger role in in your life. Uh, when was this transition like, oh, I want to go and I want to know more? You know, was there a, trans was there a moment when you said, I want to teach capoeira or I, was it something that came naturally? How was that the process? Uh, the, it, yeah, the teaching just happened completely naturally. I never asked to teach. I just had friends said to me, what's that? I think they saw a video that I had accidentally they wouldn't they didn't even they came around and the video was on i was interested in capoeira i was coming to harlow and my i remember clearly my friend he said what's that and can you do it and i said no but i want to learn he said well can you teach me what you know and that was the start john is he he did capoeira for some time chauffeur he was, was similar he was the same like uh, Lloyd, he's the one with the car and used to drive yeah. us around. Yeah, yeah, yeah John okay. Burgess. Okay. He was he was a friend of mine, so he was a bit older than Obelix and Jude. But uh, that was it. If yeah, we started training twice a week, me and him on the beach. On the beach? Well, in, uh, in South End is uh, is the beach. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. it was not actually on the sand, but where there was a place called Uncle Tom's cabin, and it had a protection from rain. 
Okay. And it was it was quite a good place to train. And we trained in there, just me and him, for maybe three months, five months. Okay. Until uh, you know, teaching capoeira isn't something that I plan to do, but I was teaching other martial arts already. So when I decided to stop all martial arts training and only do capoeira, anyone that trained with me just had to do that too. So I did have a few links with people and most of them gave up and then new people came. And it was always private in my back garden on the beach. And then we moved to a car park because it became popular. Yeah, I yeah, for me it's it's uh so it was was something that was like the car park, was it outside, like covered? Was it like because you know, like was in the summer thing that happened? We did all year in the winter. So uh it's a it was a car park that's been knocked down now. It's okay. But we in the one in South End was in Central South End on the fourth floor. Your dad gave a class there. Gregor gave a class there. And it was cold. You know, we had to run, run there in the winter, mm -hmm. train and run back because it was so cold. So you arrived already warm. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea came from Harlow because that's what they were doing. Yeah, they were meeting in the park, right? Yeah, yeah, in the park. But on a Friday night, they trained in the car park. So that's when I, that, my first lesson in Harlow was in, in a car park. So I took the idea from them and that was it. But there was a turning point in this teaching. And that was when, was a few turning points. But uh, probably the main one was when Jude came along a little black guy he just come out of prison and we were I was homeless and he was homeless and we ended up in the same hostel together okay and it's quite an interesting moment because he he saw the Buimbao on my bed and said what's that and I told him and he, he just went oh you know this guy's mad and I told him it goes with the fighting art from Brazil and all. And then the people upstairs told me, oh, Jude thinks you're mad, blah, blah, blah. And then the next day he saw the Capoeira book. And when he saw the book, he said, so it's true. It does exist. <laughs> and he, he'd, never he'd never read a book in his life. He was a good fighter. And he... Um, He's the one that really attracted a lot of people because he started, loads of other people wanted to uh, loads of people wanted to train because he was quite a, uh, a well-known figure in South End. He was known to be naughty, always fighting every Friday night. Um, he was a good dancer. He was a rapper back in. Yeah, was he not? Like there was, there was this. Uh, I, I remember this video. 
that came out on Brazilian TV, which, you know, uh, they did like a feature on him, right? Yeah, they did a feature yeah. on him and and, and on uh, on Sangue Bon, Chris too, right? Yeah, yeah. And Chris too was the 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 letter man, right? The, the, yeah. like the, the postman. Uh, Postman, yeah. yeah, and the guy said, "Oh, you come and uh, whistle a little bit." He said, oh, "I don't know to whistle. It's like, no, we'll put the sound." And there was this clip where it was uh, was his name was Bizur, right? His nickname. Wait, Lloyd gave it to him, and he said, okay. "I don't want it because I I've read who Bizarro is." Okay. So and 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 so he did that rap. He was and and uh, so he was a guy that helped a lot develop the group there. In South End, mm. because he was a good dancer. Yeah, he was a boxer. Okay. Uh, he he understood that Capoeira wasn't a fight better than the people that were doing it at the time, in my opinion, because mm. he he had a fight every Friday, every Friday. He was only little and skinny, but but was it like a, a backstreet pub that people would go in? in to fight was he just you know going no out no he would go us? out get drunk people would pick on him and he'd end up in a fight okay because he was a little little black guy in south end always causing trouble he'd just come out of prison when i met him okay so capoeira became his new found thing that stopped him getting into trouble and he he tried to stop fighting and he started training capoeira and a lot of his friends joined the group because they'd seen the, his transition mm. and they really liked it. So they, this car park ended up like a party. You okay. know, the people, there was one guy who was a DJ and back then not so many people had good sound systems and everything, but this guy had a good sound system in his car and he used to come up, put the music on in his car with the doors open really loud and we'd all jingle and do the sequences and things that we'd been taught and learnt. And that's another reason I became the teacher, because we were just hanging out doing this. But then they would say, oh, I can't remember this. But because I'd done all this other martial arts stuff, I could remember quite clearly mm. the order of sequences and movements. The detail that we of the moves and stuff. Yeah, especially that's with cool. Pacino, was very detailed about every, yeah, yeah. De you know, every step and... It, you know, you step like this and then here and then there. And so I was the one that remembered those things. Mm. And I've become the, the teacher through that. That's great. And, and, and what, what uh, happened with uh, Jude? Oh, uh, Jude, me and him lived in this hostel for yeah. about two or three years together. And we just trained Capoeira. He, he, he went completely crazy about it. And I was already a bit crazy, but not as crazy as him. Okay. And we spent about three years in Southend. Then I moved to London. I had a Brazilian girlfriend. I moved to London to get a job, to get the money to go to Brazil. Because I, oh. I, I had to get a job in a restaurant. I was working 13 hours a day. I, yeah, I remember you telling me that. I think when you were in Brazil, I remember you telling ah, me yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so when I came to... London, Jude was lost. So then he came to London and he lived with me. I had a flat here and he lived with me. I split up with the Brazilian girlfriend and me and Jude shared this flat. 
and we just did capoeira, visiting the other people and training and teaching. Who was in London at the time? At the time. I remember there uh, was uh, uh, Mestra Silvia, right? Mestra Silvia was doing her, uh, her London School of Capoeira. Jamola uh, was here. Yeah. Ozado. Oh, okay, Ozado was already there. Uh, yeah, Ozado was in a in a central location. Jamola. Uh, but my main contact was Gregor. Yes. But he didn't teach capoeira, so we used to train separately with Gregor sometimes. And when he wanted to go to a hodder, he used to call us up and we'd go with him. So it wasn't always a good idea to turn up with Gregor. But, <laughs> you Why know, because he had a very powerful... Uh, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in... Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we didn't realise that we were turning up and causing um, some kind of what the hell you know what are they why are they here mm. we we were just going because we knew there was a hodder and but i think turning up with Gregor and me and maybe, jude yeah like a, like coming here to challenge or yeah, or yeah, yeah that wasn't our intention but looking back on it that's obviously what was, what happening. was happening well he was using you guys like oh coming with my gang kind yeah of yeah he yeah i think so He's like, yeah. oh, I'm with these guys. We're going to show you the real capoeira. But they were, he was very friendly with um, Sylvia, or he seemed to be, and, and Ozadu. Uh, Jamola, they didn't get on so well. I only went yeah. once with him. And I ended up getting on very well with Jamola. Okay. And not very well with the other ones. Okay, okay. But oh, in the end, me and Ozadu became friends. Yes, Mestre Ozado is, is another is another character that I, I have mm. to bring here to, to, to share a little bit of his stories. It's uh, yeah. amazing. Yeah. That's cool. And and uh, so you go, you were obviously, uh, you know, training more regional kind of style and then gradually making this transition to, towards Angola. How was that, that process? And yeah. Yeah, well, that, that's a long process. And yeah. I was thinking about it this morning, actually. The fact that I started with your dad and the way he plays capoeira, like his actual game, yeah. means that I've come back to the same way. He, the way he plays is really more like Angola. Yeah, in a sense, yeah. Yeah, for me. Because... Yeah. In uh, one of the main differences in Angola is that it's, it's uh, always uh, strategic, and your dad is always strategic. Even if he's being cooperative, he's really he's not yeah. really being. He's trying to get another way. <laughs> he's trying to put his his somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So he, the way he played capoeira when I first saw it, which is what attracted me to the capoeira, was a strategic game and really Angola is so in the end you come back to where you started really mm. but uh, the music was the thing for me I I mm. was kind of hell bent on 
the idea that if we don't get the music sorted out, we never have Capoeira here. Mm. You know, that was me and Jude. With the, we were crazy about it. Then Obelix mm. came along, who, Obelix, who was, yeah. yeah, he 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 has a history of mu- music in his family. So he, okay, he he just held the brimba. We, me and Jude had been playing it for ages. He came along and he said, "Just show me how to hold it, and I'll play it." And he he was playing all the rhythms, singing. He could play it to like you put reggae music on. He'll he'll yeah, put the yeah, rhythm yeah. in there. Put any any music. It was just really good. And so that was this. Our focus became much more on music. No, that's that's cool. And um, so, do you still have contact with with uh, Jude or Obelix or? Yeah, I, uh, Jude's disappeared. No one knows where he is. Oh, he disappeared. Okay. Yeah, because in London. Everything was fine for about four or five years. And then he wanted to teach Capoeira. And he said, I'm going to go and teach in another city. He felt as though he couldn't teach in the same city as me. It's amazing, because like yeah. in London at that time, there's like five people teaching, and now there's like 50 or something. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. and it's crazy. And I said to him, you don't have to go anywhere, you know. And he did have a difficulty teaching. He was mm. much... Actually, no, he's, he's, he's not difficulty teaching because when he shows movements to people, he did it really well. But the, mm. the thing about being a teacher is you're not really just teaching the movements. You're having to find the place to teach, find, identify the, yeah, the whole good students. Yeah. yeah, you know, there's lots of other things. And he found that difficult. And he did get a bit of stage fright when he had to explain something. Mm. So yeah, he was. Capoeira, yeah, it's true. Capoeira does that, and and also like I've seen this that you can be an amazing capoeirista and not necessarily have the gift to teach. You know, because mm. th- this mm. is also like a something that I've you know uh, spending my my dedicating my life to capoeira teaching. And, and seeing like guys that are way better than me as capoeiristas mm. and could mm. not make a, a work, you know, mm. could not mm. make the class go or, you know, mm. just because it's, it's, it, it is a relationship, isn't it? Like setting up and, and how you're going to deal with people and, yeah. and yeah. you know, and, and how structure a class, you know, and, and, um, it's it's really and, and I remember having this uh, uh, impression that you really had this kind of this gift of, of teaching. You know what I mean? Like that you could mm-hmm. break things down because it's a lot of you know. It, I, I still feel yeah. that this is something that's very strong in Capoeira, like the Capoeira master, Capoeira teacher. The tendency for him to look at the class. From his shoes and not from the student's shoes, mm, you mm, know. Mm. And, and and I think this happens both in Angola and regional. You go into Angola class, the guy's gonna do like a hundred negativa de Angolas. Poor. If the guy have never done capoeira, chances are a good amount of people are gonna get bad elbow, bad wrist, bad shoulder, you know. And Definitely. so this is something. But it's not just in capoeira. I see, you know, from when I started. Uh, training capoeira, the idea of starting with a run and you know just getting the endorphins kicking and then you know going, oh. 
Mm. It hasn't really changed that much yeah. in, since yeah. since yeah. the 80s, you know. Mm. And now there is a, you know, I think we are really mm. rediscovering ourselves and, mm. and seeing mm. that also we have a, a larger sample, we have many more people doing capoeira or doing martial arts. And then mm. there is a set, a, a number of injuries that are happening that not necessarily used to happen. Mm. You know, in the times mm. before mm. the eighties, you know what I mean. So there is this whole thing that uh, you, you, you know, it's down to sensibility, yeah. and 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 yeah. not necessarily that are many people teaching how to teach because you might not have the gift to engage mm. with the people, but yeah, yeah, nobody mm. ever told me how to teach. You know what I mean? Like yeah. nobody taught you how to teach. Yeah. They would yeah. give you the movements, but it's it's how you make out of it. Yeah. And, and it, I feel this with my students, my instructors, is that I have to kind of give a, a, a path. That not necessarily they have to follow that path, but if they get to the same end, it's good. But yeah. at least one way, because some people cannot, and I'm seeing some people are very good and some people are not that good. But if you show the guy who is not that good, say, look, this is how I do it. And that's the reason why mm. you can mm. get, you know mm. what I mean? So it, mm. it's it's interesting to see how this idea of teaching, how, it, you know, the more you think about it and stuff. And you, it, that was something that definitely you, you, you've you always had. Because you, you've been teaching on the same spot for a number of years. Is that right? Yeah, now I've been in Hackney's since 91 uh, no 90 90 yeah 91 or 92 i i get muddled up with the years 93 i went to brazil it must be 92 i moved to london okay so you were already teaching 92 yeah or? my first group with it one of the problems i had in and i think that cover is when you said how did you feel as a foreigner teaching couple yeah, of years? One of the problems that I had and is, first of all, if I don't know, I, I keep quiet, watch and listen. But if I've got an opinion, I will say what I think. And I've been in South End, secluded from anything in London. And I was getting lessons from your dad and Pashin, and some advice as well from Gregor, who was a good Burimbao player. Yeah. And we, I had my own little gang in South End, which was John, Obelix, Jude, me, Roland, who still does it in Australia. Uh, there's a few people. So we had a little gang. And then I came to London. And people said, you can't teach. So I looked mm. at my students, I looked at their students, and I said, well, I'm sorry, but I obviously can. You know, I'm with Group Senzala. I was affiliated or mm. part yeah. of your father's group. Yeah. And I was saying, well, it seems that it's working. And then and there was a bit of conflict around this yeah. idea that I was a foreigner teaching. And I yeah. said... I think you're, I think you're being racist, you know, or you're discriminated against me. Look at yeah. look at my students. Just look at my students. They're my students. Yeah. And we, I did have a bit of problems with that, but yeah, you know, over time we managed to iron those out. Yeah, yeah, because in the end of the day, you know, 
I think the actions speaks for itself, right? Like your results mm. are there and stuff. But mm. at the same time, I, you know, and also as you become a teacher, you start seeing things from a, a different perspective, you know, like, uh, and I'm not saying that's the case mm. with you at all, but you know, that it's, it's, uh, there are some people that, you know, they start doing something and out of their own thing without, you know, no no mentors or anything oh i know this and the guy has like maybe a musical uh, 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 predisposition and can do the you know what i mean i I've, i mean i'm sure you've come across this kind of 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 uh, of uh, environment and so for the brazilians they are you know a lot of brazilians they have passed through so many stuff you know, in their capoeira life and they feel like oh you haven't you haven't experienced that and this is one of the things that i keep mm. telling my mm. friends you know back a few years ago i say oh but these guys never had to never had to do the thing that i did you know they never had a fight and stuff i said man but just because you did this it doesn't mm. mean that it's a path for everyone and it, mm. it does not mm. you know like so i think it's hard people need to sometimes is taking the context out to, to be able to see, you know what I mean? Like, it's like when mm. I came to the UK, there were lots of things about Brazil that I became more aware of, because once yeah. you were there, you don't get to see it because you were there, you know what I mean? Sometimes you need mm. perspective, and the best perspective is, is being yeah, if out it's, of there. If everyone is accepting what's happening, then it's, you don't really notice that it's wrong or right. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, but that's that's. Uh, but you, you know, I I I've seen I've seen this like you know when when the, there was like a, a students of a foreigner there in Brazil, people wanted to test them a little bit more, and it was always this stress of like oh, my Peixinho has to keep an eye because of the you know what I mean, and and uh, it's it, it was a uh, I you know I think it's it's just down to to conversations, you know, and guidance, because it's, uh, it's uh, in the end of the day, I believe that the market is the best, you know, the, the, like I said, the, the actions yeah. will speak yeah. for itself, the result of your actions will speak yeah. for itself, yeah, yeah, because yeah, you can yeah. say one thing, the guy can say another, say, look, let's see what, it, what that goes, you know, mm. so this pragmatic approach, it's, it's very important that, you know, people to hold themselves accountable, isn't it? Like, because if, if you if you're teaching in 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 ten classes, you have to have shown that there must be a result there. You know, like I yeah. recently taught yeah. Uh, yeah. A, a bunch of students that were doing acting, and I had like fourteen sessions with them, and you know, I said, look, guys, you know, in the end, they they were doing makulele, they were doing a little, even though it was something that they had to do, so they chose to do. But yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. you just, you know, you, you do one class, I do, you know, I'm sure you're the same if you can, like in mm. one class, the guy has learned uh, a, a sequence or something that he can yeah, put it yeah, together, you yeah. know, and I think that's yeah, the yeah. biggest different differential on, on, on this. And uh, so you, you, you say that you, you were with the, more involved with Angola, with the music, and, and uh, it's... In a way, uh, Angola has a lot of talking points, a lot of positions that are 
different. I mean, that Angola as well is is something that's very wide. You know, like if you go into the definition of what Angola is, mm. you know, like the the, the idea that Mestre Bimba when he created the regional, mm. you know, that was Capura from regional, and everything else was Angola. Yeah, and and. Within Angola, there is a wide range of opinions and mm. and approach to things yeah. and and uh, yeah. how was you navigating that you know uh, also as a as a foreigner somebody who was doing capoeira yeah. how was this this whole process? Yeah. Well, it's it, it's quite a long process. Of course, I mean I'm still in it. Yes, it's, but, it's been over 30 years, eh? But, yeah, but there, there are some moments that are important. When I first saw uh, someone playing clearly in the rhythm, it something happened. And I thought, ah, so, you know, you can play like that. They're, 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 it's as if they're moving... To the beat. Mm. That that had an impression on me, and I, I did search for that. And capoeira doesn't always go in the rhythm, but um, in Angola, it there are certain styles and ways to move that seem to be more in the rhythm for me. So I liked that, and the journey was interesting as well with um, the lessons of Meshta No. He he does one lesson that uh, talks about the phases of games. Yeah. Okay. So I, I when I, I first did that, that, I was like, of course, and it it helped me understand what the structure of a Capoeira Angola game is. And it does have a, a time to observe. And it does have a time to not sure what's going to happen next, but you've just done that, so this happens, and and then mm. something else happens, and then we start again. And this idea yeah. was a really, you know, that for me kind of told me what Angola is. Mm. But as you say, there's lots of different opinions and yeah. ways to see capoeira. <sighs> yeah, because I, I, I feel that sometimes. You know, because Capura has made this transition, you know, if you look over the 100 years, yeah. Capura has made this transition of something that was done for entertainment, and then, you know, the guys start, this natural process starts, the guys start mm. teaching, doing mm. a hoda by the, the a bar, mm. and then the, the attracts, the lady goes there and gives mm. some, you know, some mm. some rounds for the capuri, and then this transition comes, mm. and then there's more people, and then the people start teaching, but mm. then they want to hide some stuff, mm. you know, they don't want to teach everything, and then, mm. capura, so capura makes this process of going from something totally informal, to mm. something that becomes more formalized, more yeah. ritualized. Yeah. Yeah. And because there are no founders, there are no guys, oh, Capoeira started then by this guy. Mm. It's it's something that is, is still open to a lot of debate, you know, like mm. from the mm. origins, mm. like mm. is Capoeira played in, in Africa, mm. is Capoeira, mm. you know, in Brazil. Uh, um, so it becomes, uh, I feel, 
from you know my my experience of seeing a wide variety yeah. of matches and yeah. the insights it's a bit like competing narratives right and and uh, so there is the competing narratives between what is understood more or less as Angola and what is regional mm. and they have mm. competing narratives but within Angola itself there is I I I think a very <clears throat> Oh, this is the Angola, you know. Mm. And while you know, you you, you just mentioned Mestre mm. No. Uh, do you know Mestre No's Mestres? Uh, no, not but, really. Yeah, I mean, I remember I, I, he's he's mentioned some names of people yeah. that talked to him, and Asher has mentioned them as well, but yeah. I can't remember them. But but my, my, the point I was trying to make is that you see Mestre No playing, and you wouldn't necessarily make that relation to what is the generalization of Angola, right? Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a tough player and, mm. you know, you see his students like Asher and stuff. Mm. Mm. So, you know, it, it's it's uh, sometimes people, they practice a speci- with a specific lineage and they think that that is, you know what I mean? So there is always this, yeah. this dispute. Like maybe it's a dispute for market. I don't know, it's a, of the market of ideas, but, you know, I'll try to like, I am the base, or this is how it is, or this is the reason behind, you know? And it's yeah. something that, uh, it's, it's a harder stance to, to, to say like, oh, actually, we don't really know, we are looking into it. You know, it's much easier to come and say, this is it. You know, this is the product. That, you know, this is the history. What you said here is strikes a chord for me. Well, it's it is a debate. Different people have different opinions. Rather than uh, you need a real master, or you know, you you need this because um, one master said to me, a very famous master. That I, I'm proud that he said this to me, but he, I met him three days he was teaching in London, and he said to me, uh, Simon, I need to talk to you. He spoke good English, and I, I said, okay. And he, at the end of the class, he stood in the middle of the room and said, Simon! And I went over to him, and all my students came as well. I didn't ask them to. So I'm standing there around a circle in front of the master. And he says, you, you're, you and your students are doing very well. And you need a real master. <laughs> and I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, you need a real Capoeira master. And I said, but if you, you're really good, and if you're telling me I'm doing really well, in my life, if I'm doing really well, I don't want to change that because I might not be doing so well if I affiliate to this real time, master. At the time, you were with with Master Mahon. I was with I was with Master Mahon at the time. Yeah, yeah. And when I mentioned that, he said, "Yeah, you need a real master." Yeah, but you see what I'm I'm getting at. To, you know what I yeah. mean? Is that this idea? Because you know, if I'm gonna be completely honest, this. If I use a generalized term, I would say that this is a narrative that the Angola generally uses against regional. 
Oh, you have mm. to learn the mm. real capoeira, the mother mm. capoeira, mm. and mm. all this. Mm. But then it's okay. So you're going to say no, but actually, you know what I mean? No, no, no. But you need a real man, you know what I mean? And if you make this transition, and I know this for a fact that Mahon, Mesh mm. Mahon is somebody whose work speaks for himself. The people yeah. that he, you know, the, you know. But he's there is this thing that people just don't, you know. Or, or try to put him down because oh, he comes from you know he started with Master Peixinho you know so it's 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 a it's an idea that he always baffled me you know mm, when, mm. when I came to Scotland mm. in 2000 there mm. was this girl who was crazy about Capoeira she was in Aberdeen which was like further three hours north of okay. and she said Pedro I was in a little village in India that mm. had 2000 people and there I was working with a charity and there was another guy, was a German guy, and he was there too. And I discovered that he was also a capoeira guy. I said, mm -hmm. I can't believe we are here for a year. It would be great to train together. I'm so happy. And the guy said, no. You see, I come from a lineage that if... You know, you come from another lineage. You had like you train with different people, and yes, yeah. if I if I interact with you, is is gonna is gonna you know is gonna be damaging for my development. And mm -hmm. this is you know this is I think yeah. is is the narrative that you of course if the person is saying that he's repeating from his master, right? And yeah. is so polluting. You know, it's so toxic. It's you know, it's like it's a kind of a, almost if you make a comparison, like who who has this kind of talk? Or oh, you have to be from this pure breed of you know, you know what I mean? Don't even need to say names of ideology, but it it, it is crazy, and it becomes like a a ray a, a bottomless pit, you know? Yeah. Because if you go into this argument, there isn't, and and uh, so I, I find it uh, it's interesting. And, yeah, and also the. You know, I, in the over the years, I've made friends with different people from Brazil. Yeah. And one or two of them, they come from Bahia. They, they, they come from the poor parts of Salvador, and they've been Capodistas since they were teenagers. And uh, the one I'm thinking of is uh, Maringeru. Okay? And he did Heijanau. Okay? He did Heijanau Capoeira. That's what he learned. That's what he got graduated in. That's what he taught. And then later on, that's what he formed his group with, uh, Unica. they mainly in mm. Poland. Okay. And he's a great guy. Now, he did, he practiced Capoeira Heijanau. But his idol was an Angolero called Bon Cabrito. Okay? So he... On a Saturday, Friday night, they used to get together, and he used a teenager, and he used to go out with this bonka bit of drinking, and thought he was really cool. He learned to play the pandera with him, and he learned capoeira with him a lot, but he was Haitian now. Later, as he got older, he had friendships with people that were all had been his friends all his life, but now they were getting kind of more into their capoeira angola and they lost the friendship due to capoeira 
Yeah, well, so that's what he told it. me. You know, he said, "Oh, you know, I can't believe it. Someone would put capoeira in front of our friendship." So the, the the friendship that he had with this master from Angola, once he started teaching Angola, the the friendship went astray. I'm not sure what the details were, but probably it was just if you're trying to create an image of how capoeira should be played and someone doesn't play in that image then you can you can rock mm. the boat a bit mm. and i think that that's more or less what was happening i understand so for example he he sings in a really authentic kind of older style of music so and it's quite fast and upbeat Whereas a lot of Angola's gone slow, but that's you know that's something that, of course the the if I'm singing if I if I get the marimba and I push a fast rhythm, and people can't play it, I hear that happens. But or in Brazil they don't want that, you know, in mm. Bahia because it's Angola and they've got their yeah. way to do it, and it's kind of if if you form anything. And then suddenly something comes along and says, well, this is in there too. You need to make space for it. And Capoeira's got so many faces. Yeah, it's true. It, you know, yeah. the hodder can't be, unless it's a group hodder. So if I, if, if, if there's a group hodder, let's say group Muzenza's doing a hodder and it's only Muzenza students and it's only people that have learned that style playing, that's the hodders that, like that. But if it's a hodder with a, Uh, various people from different styles or different ways of thinking within the same style, then everything changes. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely true. And, and, and uh, you know, because like you were saying, like in, in, in Bahia and Salvador, things were very divided, like, oh, Bimba, Bimba students and, and students of their students in, in Angola. And, uh, you know, from... In a group Senzala, you know, I always heard this, you know, like, oh, we are more influenced by the capoeira of Mestre Bimba, but we play the Birimbao in, in a system that is a Sambento Grande Angola most of the time, not that we don't yeah, play yeah, other rhythms. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, for me, it was always this idea that, you know, and also my formative years was exactly the moment when, when my father was going, because in the search of capoeira, and also as you age, I think that there is an interest to, to, to go. And my father was always somebody who was passionate for You know, he is somebody who is passionate mm. about capoeira, who mm. never made a living of capoeira because he didn't want to interfere, to financially depend on capoeira, interfere with the relationship he had with capoeira. But mm. uh, I, he was always a, a curious person, you know, always you know, organizing events, bringing mm. old masters mm. and, and learning from them and not having this stance, you know, like, this, mm. you know what I mean? He was always open. And so in my formative years, like from 15, 16, onwards, I had a, a wide variety of masters, many of them Angola, so, you know, Angola became part mm -hmm. of what I, I'm not going to say that I'm a capoeira angol, angoleiro, it's not that, but I am capoeira, you know, and, and I know, like, in, in our group, we started this process of the salvaguarda, which is to kind of organize the, the, 
the history of our group, which is going to be like 60 years in a couple of years, yeah. next year. Yeah. And, and, uh, and uh, you know, I was saying this, I said, look, but where do we put this? Because I teach Angola, Negativa de Angola movements. I teach some Angola sequence. I, it's on my mm, mm. to-do list of my students. Mm, is that mm. not going to be part of what Senzala is? You know what I mean? So mm, there is all these these mm, questions, and mm. and and I think in a way, you were always like a a, a safe uh, spot for capoeiristas coming around. You were exposed to a wide variety of, of mm. capoeiristas, mm. even mm. outside Angola, because people were going to London, they would go and stay with you, and and I know for a fact that many of the guys stayed with you for a long time, right? Like yeah, yeah, passing by and stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's a few stay stayed and. We hung out quite. It was yeah, a bit lot, of a journey. Lots of story. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Having Michelle, Michelle, Michelle for a while, and Michelle lived with me for a year. Yeah, I I, I came here first time. I mean, when was it? 1999 yeah, or something? Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and I taught a class for you when I was passing by and stuff. Yeah, like I remember that. now. I was teaching in the. It was a guy. He was a photographer. And he gave us the studio. I yeah. remember. Uh, but so Michelle and Glaucio, they lived with me for a year, and that was that was when I learned Portuguese. Oh, cool. so when Michelle came, he couldn't speak any Portuguese. English. Uh, English, sorry. Uh, and we played chess as well. So whenever we didn't have anything else to do, we played. Three games of chess, and slowly over one year, I was learning Portuguese with Glaucio as well, and Michelle. And Michelle was learning quick English, and he wanted to learn. He, he was obviously focused on that, although I didn't realize at the time. By about six months, I realized that I'm talking half Portuguese and half. English with him. When he left, we were just speaking English. So we yeah. started. I was the one speaking the Portuguese, and then we finished, yeah. and he was the one speaking English. So that was a that was a really important part of my uh, capoeira learning was learning to speak Portuguese, and not just any Portuguese, but uh, capoeira stuff. You yeah. know the the yeah. the way that they comment or people talk about different things at hodders yeah. or when they see people play, and Double later thing and stuff. Yeah. The, you know, little comments and postures, people looking and thinking about who's this person or why do they mm. what's that blah blah blah. But learning Portuguese is is like for me was one of the most important things, regardless of capoeira. Angola, Asia now, or mm. this way of thinking, that way of thinking. And who else? There was there's a whole load. Pedreiro stayed with me for a little while. Asher stayed with me. And Hobaval. Uh all of them. All of the mm. people, if they were in London, they've stayed with me, if not for just one night, then for a few weeks. Yeah. Well, no, that's, that's... Master Gager from uh Mercado Modelo. That's nice. It's, it's, it's you nice know, too. so each person has an influence, just as you said. Mm. You know, you grow up in Rio, you get different influences all the time. So it, even, it's, what I said before, 
you learn, you're, you're attached to this group, like Maringeru was attached to Capoeira uh, Heijerao, but he, he hung out with the Angoleros. And then, you know, it's hard to say mm. you're, you're only Heijerao if you've got yeah. this influence. Yeah, I, I'm always like, I always felt that learning lots of, practicing lots of Angola really helped my, my fast game and vice versa. There were elements mm. that you can, mm. you know, mm. take into and, and put into your own move. And also, like, if you if you watch Master Bimba's students, some old videos, and you, you didn't know that was Master Bimba, you would say that they were playing Angola, you know, so this idea is like, it's... Yeah. it's in a way fabricated, you know, like, okay, there are some key movements of regional that are typical of regional, there are some key movements of Angola, are typical of Angola, but the, the way that the players would play, that you see that it's essentially the same the same kind of game, just depends on how you're going. Of course, there are exceptions to, to this to this idea, but uh, yeah. generally speaking, it would be, would be, you know, that. One, one, it, one of the things that happened in Rio de Janeiro was when Senzala was growing or grew into what it is or was then, at the same time, Master Moraes was developing his style of Angola. Okay? Now, no one's ever told me this except a student of mine that studies a lot. And he said, maybe the Morash style of Angola was designed to undo the Senzala style. Because it only some of the things only work when you play someone from a, that style. You know? Mm. Like, for example, if you do big open kicks, then you can do these movements to get inside. But if you don't... Mm. Then those yeah. movements are obsolete. They don't work, and they're, they're in, they don't exist. Yeah. Sure. So it does make sense to me that his style. Uh, when I teach, I look at what's going on in the hodders, and I teach my students what they can do if that circumstance arises again, mm. or you know, some people play in a certain way that maybe they're not completing their moves. Maybe they're not connecting with the person before they try to do something. or And I, I coach people on what I've seen in Hodders. Surely mm. that must have been happening in Brazil as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the part why it's, it's so important for a capoeirista to, to play with different people that they never played before because it puts their whole, you know, because capoeira is, it's a communication of movements. I like to, to, to always use this, this yeah. example. Yeah. And you are, because there is a part of the game on both sides that is, it's tacit, right? It's a tacit yeah. understanding that you're not going to go and kick, you know, when you have those really yeah. close movements. Yeah. You know, so, and the same thing in regional, sometimes you have lots of those fast kicks and, you know, it, it's, it's kind of, sometimes you're playing far. I mean, they, there are different, mm -hmm. you know, approaches mm -hmm. on this. I like to, to make my students play close, but there is also other groups that they play quite far and mm -hmm. when they need to engage, they will engage. Some are more uh, martial mm -hmm. art-like, mm -hmm. some are less, but mm -hmm. there is on both sides, 
there is a, a, a tacit understanding that you don't do certain things. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, okay. yeah. So this is this is the yeah. part of, of the game that mm -hmm. um, you know I, I see these similarities. But uh, other thing is, I wanted to ask you is about the the graduation, the grades in Capoeira. Because you know, uh, in, yeah. in, in, in Angola, yeah. they, they don't use the grades per se. They don't have a, a, the uniform as we have. They have a different system and stuff. Mm. Uh, mm. How, how do you see this, this idea? Yeah. Well, it's quite a, a deep subject for me because it's one of the things that uh, I had conflicts with all my capoeira career and karate. When I when I first started training anything, Marshall, uh, the guy I was with, we we trained. It was a it was a fitness and self defense class, and I did it for twenty weeks, and then I went into his. It finished, and then I went into his karate class, and he said to me, "Ah, oh, you know, you're not going to like it." And I said, why? He said, boy, you have to do the gradients, you have to start the belts and all that. And I said, oh, I don't want to do the belts. He said, well, you have to do the belts, otherwise you won't progress. And I said, why won't I progress? He said, you only progress when you get into training with the black belts. I said, so I need to get a brown belt then. I got a brown belt, I trained with the black belts, I never wanted a cord or belt or anything from anyone ever. Before I started Capoeira, I didn't want any cords. So when when I when I first went to Rio, one of my first impressions of um, your dad took me to a meeting with Capoeira Brazil down in the Docklands or somewhere, a massive place, hundreds of people, fantastic experience for me. But everyone was graduating and getting belts. And I was a yellow belt, and I was just or an orange belt. I can't remember, but I was thinking, you know, it's really not what I wanted was to graduate or wear uniforms of any sort. I never did it. I never wanted it, and it became a a, a sore point with your with your father because mm. I said, look, we'll do it if my students want it, and they didn't want it either. So. Uh, I was in the middle, and I was like, oh, yeah. dear, you know. if they wanted it, it would be different. Then we could do it every time. And so the, yeah. anyway, it, I never wanted any belts or cords or graduations or anything. I understand, but don't you think that from the moment that you have, like, you know, you have a title of being a master? Oh yeah, that's then you have you have a title of being a trainer. You know what I mean? Because I, I, I understand that. And also, even though there isn't a uniform, there is a mannerism, you know, that becomes, you know, in some way, I, 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 I can't, I'm not talking about yours because I, I don't mm. even know exactly how it is uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, formally and stuff. Like, I, I haven't been at your place for a, a number of years. But what I'm saying is that these ideas, even though the, the I feel that the Angola guys they have this really one of the main talking points of differentiation mm -hmm. of Haitian mm -hmm. now is that they say this, but then they have 
their own grades, their own titles, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you can say that maybe less mm -hmm. than in, in regional, mm -hmm. but there are also kind of of of, of, of titles too, and and mm -hmm. also you know a different mm -hmm. set of things. So it, it's like what you're saying in the beginning is like this whole circle of of things, yeah. right? Like yeah, it's if you people are training and you recognize them with some formal uh, manner, mm. then I think it's really appreciated if it's given by the right people to the people that deserve it. You know, for example, a new student might come, they're training regularly. It doesn't matter if they're good or bad. They've been training regularly. They're yes. on. They've come along, and you say welcome to the group, and you make some things. Some people really like the thought of having a belt and a cord, and yeah. if they can make that work in their groups, then I mm. think it's a good thing. Yeah, you know, and I don't. I, I'm not against it, or yeah. I. But I have seen uh, in Angola where they give certificates to people that they don't know. You know, because mm. I think when Capoeira expanded, suddenly it became important because you've got like 50 students there, 20 here, 40 yeah. there, 60 there here. Is, there is a logistic, and you wanna, there is you a wanna, reason behind the grades, yeah. Yeah, you want to hook them into your group as well. So you, wanna, you, you know, it's your business. It's your, it's your market. To, uh, yeah, I mean, there is that for sure. But there is also this kind of like internal... Uh, uh, organization because it is a hierarchic, hierarchical structure, you know. Mm -hmm. And you know, from the moment that you have lots of, you know, I don't know if you use these terms, trainer or whatever, mm -hmm. or contramaster, it becomes like, how do you identify, you know, when the group is beyond mm -hmm. the know, know each member by personally you know what i mean like i have guys who are in bali i have guys in china i have guys in scotland yeah, yeah. and so mm -hmm. the, the the grade you know and i i don't put any uh, i tell my students that you should not look for the core the core is nothing but the recognition of the master for the, the development that you have done the work that you have put on but it shouldn't be the end goal you know mm. but but at the same time the way i think is that you can't escape this this process because um it's just a matter of life like you don't become an engineer without doing your your time of engineering and and, and you know yeah, yeah. you know yeah. but yeah it, it's a lot of things as well because i think kapura moves a lot with people how they feel how they they see themselves and it's it's a it's a very big uh, and wide range of, of uh, you know, of, of, of interpretation that can happen there. And, uh, and I, I guess you take all this, all this experience, and after being recognized as a, as a master, mm -hmm. you, you, you've mentioned that you've made your own capoeira school. You are capoeira, if you wanted to talk yeah. a little about that <laughs> as well. Well, I mean, just to say one more thing about chords and things sure. i think that if the if someone is teaching and they have their class their group and they don't have any 
other place to go. I think it's much easier to understand the levels, give the correct uh, encouragement to different people at different times to manage your students. But as soon as you have another group, I think it is really good to have some kind of days where you do uh, graduations or certificates or uh, recognition that uh, people have progressed and they've been training and they've, uh, they're dedicated. Mm. That's super important. Yeah. yeah. And uh, when Mahon made me a master, I, I, was, I, I, I wasn't expecting that, okay, uh, at all. Nothing. I've been with him for some years and we trained a lot and I was quite close to him. I think I might have been um, like a curiosity to him. You know, he was like, this guy really likes capoeira. He's a crazy white guy, you know. But he, we also had a friendship, you know. So maybe there was, there was lots of things that he said to me where I always felt, he was looking at me as an equal for years before um, before he said, oh, I'll make you a master. And when he did it, he made other people contra-master. So mm. I remember he, he said, and Simon, you is master. And I looked, and the, the, the look on other people's faces made me think, oh, this probably means more to other people than it does to me at oh, the time. Because the relationship, isn't it? It's like it's the whole family. There is all the, I don't even know how to say this, capoeirista é carente. It's like it's your family. And then you say one to one and now all the other ones are going to be like, what? You know, yeah, like, and there's a look at this. And then he said, if you accept it. And I was like, well, of course, why would I not? Because at the time I was doing, I had progressed sufficiently in in what I was doing and what I wanted to do with Capoeira, where I'd done something that I thought maybe I would never do in my lifetime, mm. which was to have these urban ritual hodders, have people from every group, big hodders with good things happening sometimes bad things but mainly good things and uh, a good vibe and very a lot of positive comments from many brazilian masters and uh i i was able to accept it mm. but yeah it's difficult yeah. after that after some years i was called at the time east london capoeira So to be East London Capoeira, for me, it just didn't make sense anymore. And I, I had some time to mm. reflect. And I think one night I just wrote down on a sheet of paper all the areas of what I teach and what I do and what I want. And I thought about it for a few weeks. And then I realized that at the end of the day, it's all about trying to find your style, your way inside. Uh, the journey is the form. I learned this. I found a master as well from another art that actually has this kind of um, 
method of teaching. So he says, I give you the form like a bottle, but you put in the the substance. And I think mm. that that's what's happened to me in Capoeira. I learned with your dad. I like Pacino. I copied this. I copied that. And then eventually I tried to do this Angola. And then, and then eventually emerges my capoeira. And mm. so I say, okay, you are urban ritual capoeira, which is mm. my hoda. And you are, if you say it in English, it means yeah. find your capoeira, basically. Yeah, and, cool. you know, it, I've got this idea that the most important moments in capoeira are the first ones. Your first few months, your first vision, your first way of kind of visualizing what the is capoeira. The first impression is the yeah, one. The first, yeah, that, they're, they're super important. So I, even though I want my students to copy exactly what I'm doing, yes. I tell them that after you have to find your way to do it. That's very true. It's, it's like something that is very like from Brazil because it was a country that was, you know, colonized in such a brutal way, but it absorbed so many experience and they keep mm. doing that. They keep, mm. it's, mm. it's the idea, you know, you learn in school about the, the, the anthropophagy, you know, the, the cannibalism, mm. that they, they take the, the form, they digest that and then they put mm. something that is theirs, you know, that mm. is unique to, to you. And, and I feel, and I tell that the same to my students, like, look, I'm just giving you the shape, mm. right? The form, mm. Like a, when you, you bake a cake, you bake a cake in a, what is it called? Like a form? Yeah, what is it called? yeah, yeah, a uh, uh, tin. Uh, yeah, like, that keep, keep, makes the shape. But after, you have to break the mold, the mold, right? You have to mm. break the mold, yeah, the mold. And, 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 and create the, the, your own thing. Uh, Mestre Fantasma, he has been a pleasure. I think we could be having other ones in, in the near future because it, it's it's a very it's, you're a very easy guy to talk to and with similar ideas, you know. And uh, but yeah, it's it's been a, a a real real pleasure. I will put if there is like your links, I will put it here in the description, and then people can find out more. And hopefully soon we'll be able to to do a vajasan together. You know, yeah, for yeah. Other, soon, yeah. Yeah, that's good. I'm sure we will. And well, thank you for uh, uh, inviting me. I'm very yes. happy to chat about it. And yeah, yeah, I mean, we could chat for a long time. It's true yeah. uh, about various we'll do, things. We'll do, we'll do a, a second one for sure. Mm. Okay. Okay. Well, my man, thank you very much, and uh, yeah, I will. We'll we'll be in touch. Valeu. Speak so. That was it, guys. Thanks very much for listening or watching our podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Master Simon Fantasma. Please leave your thoughts and suggestions in the comments. Don't forget to share with your friends and subscribe to our podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I share.